Welcome to Maximum Mom with Elise Buey, where you'll hear from women who are navigating the same messy journey as you. Lawyering, entrepreneurship, and mothering, what a trifecta. We're here to share tips, resources, wins, losses, and encouragement for moms who are raising a family while building a law firm. So you feel less alone in your journey toward a fulfilling career and being the best mom you can be. This is Elise Bowie with the Elise Bowie Maximum Mom Podcast. And we are here right after the holidays. And I am here with my guest, Drew Hickey, who is in Illinois and who we, she just mentioned that she had to go to a shelter care hearing, which I am really piqued about that. I'm going to actually ask her about that. But, um, (laughs) and it just made me, as I was literally typing up to go on live, thinking about what Drew is dealing with, like having just dealt with the holidays. She has a birthday coming up with one of her little ones, having two little bitty children and having court and appeals to write (laughs) over the holiday. I mean, I literally am already kind of awestruck by what we moms pull off. And so welcome, Drew. Thanks for coming during all this craziness you have going on. Thank you so much for having me. I, I just love this conversation. I've been listening to all of the different episodes and it's great. It's great to have support and hear from other women doing the same thing. So I appreciate you giving us the platform. Oh, absolutely. I think it is like one of the most important things for me, at least, and in my soul of what I care about is how we can manage to do the combination of what we do. And so, I mean, let's start. I always like to understand more about your role as a mom, and I know all our listeners do too. So tell us about your family at home. So I am married. Uh, My husband, Rob, and I will be celebrating our five-year anniversary in April. So we're coming up on a milestone. Doesn't seem like it's been that long. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it seems (laughs) like it's been forever but (laughs) five years we're getting somewhere now (laughs) and he is um, a legal assistant at the local public defender's office so he has started a career in law as well recently which we can talk more about that he told me he might want to be an attorney at one point and I cried (laughs) (laughs) for reasons we all understand so um, but I'm trying to be Of him, he has he does that. He works full time, and then we have uh, two little girls. Um, Elizabeth will be three in just a few days on the seventh, and then Audrey was born in April in the middle of pandemic, so she's eight months. Wow, what was that like having a baby in the pandemic? Oh my gosh! Well, it was very interesting. It was very touch and go. We actually live across the street from an anesthesiologist. And then my stepsister is a doctor up in Wisconsin. I'm in Illinois. And uh, my brother's a nurse. And so at one point we had joked that the hospitals might be shut down. You guys might have to come and we might have to get some tarps out and deliver this baby here at the house. You know, that was at the very beginning in March when we didn't know what was going on. I was lucky. We were lucky because my husband always goes with me to appointments and it was just the last two or three maybe four appointments that he wasn't able to go to so I know a lot of moms their husbands couldn't go with them to any appointments and especially for first-time moms I just thought that would and dads that would be devastating yeah so we got lucky there and he was able to come and and uh, be my support person at the hospital so I didn't have to do it alone yeah so that was 
wonderful because I was worried about that too. I can deliver the baby fine, but the the fear of needles is my big thing. And (laughs) I need him there. He's my needle guy to hold my hand. And so I needed that. And of course, everything else too. I wanted to be there when the baby was born. And so he was able to come, but we, it was totally different. We had Elizabeth in 2018 and we had family at the hospital. We had visitors, you know, people in and out. And this was just, you're in your room and it's just you. And that's it. So very different, very different. And then, you know, coming home and bringing the baby home, we had porch visits. I mean, nobody could hold the baby. It, the, the guidance at that time was, you know, a newborn is, a, is an at-risk person for COVID. So, you know, the doctor at one point, I kept saying, now, how can my family hold the baby? And he kept saying, your family doesn't need to hold the baby. Nobody holds the baby but you and dad, you know. So that was heartbreaking, but we got through it once she had her first vaccine when she was eight weeks old. We were able to have more contact with family. Wow, that's so interesting. Well, tell us about your legal practice now. What what are you doing? What does it look like for you at your firm? So um, I'm in a firm. It's maybe, I don't know if you'd call it a small firm on a national level. Here locally, it's kind of, I would say, a medium-sized firm. We have about uh, 15 attorneys, probably eight or nine support staff. We do have uh, four different offices. So we're all spread out over those offices um, here in central Illinois. And we do, uh, we have a general practice. So we have people that do, you know, certain things, but then throughout, you know, you can pretty much find anybody to do something um, in our firm. So I focus on the areas. I love adoption work. I do adoption. That's kind of where my shelter care comes in. I also dabble in some of the juvenile side of things with Department of Children and Family Services, which is what we call CPS. And uh, so I do that. I do guardianships, adults and minors. I do some personal injury work. I do some administrative work with Department of Children and Family Services and and healthcare um, as well. So just kind of a lot of different things. I've been practicing 10 years and I've picked up a lot as kind of like a snowball as I rolled along. So, yeah. Well, and I thought it was fascinating to learn that you and I both graduated from Loyola in New Orleans, though you are obviously much younger than I am. (laughs) I don't even know. I'm trying to think, when did I graduate? I think I graduated (laughs) in 1994 from law school. So that was a while ago. (laughs) But um, (laughs) what brought you to New Orleans? So I um, knew I wanted to be an attorney since I was 10. I did a mock trial in class. We had a mock trial. I can't remember what it was about now, but I won. I was the lawyer and I won. (laughs) And that kind of lit a fire. Oh, yeah. Yes. (laughs) And I came home and I said, this is what I'm doing, you know. Actually, I know what it was about. It was about how you spell the word prairie. (laughs) I don't know what the wild hair the teacher got, but she decided, let's have a trial. And I knew how to spell the word prairie. And so, because I love Little House on the Prairie. And so, um, (laughs) that's what this whole journey started with for better or for worse, but mostly for better. And um, so we went from there and I just knew what I wanted. And so I went to college um, in Virginia, actually. I took a year off and spent the year in DC working for a law firm there as a file clerk and then went to law school. And it was just a matter of truthfully what it was is where I got in. And also I was dating somebody at the time and where he got in and where we could clothes and all of that. So that's the honest answer there. But um, I loved 
I love New Orleans. I mean, when we got there, it was just, it was, um, it was 10 or 11 months after Katrina. So it was August of 26, 2006. And the best part about it really was everything that had been closed was reopening. Right. And it was a very hopeful time. It was, I mean, the resilience of New Orleans, I mean, inspires me to this day, whenever I think about, you know, things that have happened and through the pandemic, you know, I just think, you know, in New Orleans, you just got back up and started again, you know, Absolutely. You, <laughs> you might it doesn't get you down in a jambalaya, but you get back up and start again. Take First. a little break, have a little drink and <laughs> get back going because we got to keep going. So absolutely. And so I just loved living there. I love the spirit. I love just, there's just such a soul to the city and I absolutely love it. Yeah, I do too. I mean, I haven't lived in New Orleans since Hurricane Katrina. We moved, you know, and evacuated right as the hurricane, you know, was hitting. And um, and I've only gone back for a few months. My kids and I went back for about four months and redid our house to sell and everything. But um, I mean, New Orleans is just, I, I think it's a a really unique place that unless you've gone and spent some real time in New Orleans, I think people have a hard time understanding the nuance of New Orleans because I think New Orleans is extremely nuanced in its culture. And, you know, and that comes out in music and food and people's attitudes. I mean, did you find in New Orleans, like this is one of the things I've found ever since I've left New Orleans is everyone thinks I have mental health issues because I talk to them. (laughs) like in an elevator or at a grocery store. And the places I've moved have been very reserved. Like I lived in the Minneapolis area for a while, then here in Seattle. And they tend to be very reserved, very, you know, Nordic kind of places. And Mm -hmm. so I literally am such an odd bird here. And did you find that when you went to New Orleans that people were very friendly well, they were absolutely much friendlier even than where I grew up. I grew up in kind of a rural area in Illinois. And so I kind of had that right. gift of gab, I guess you could say already, where we say hi and you wave, you know, when the tractors <laughs> go by and all that. So it's, it's already, I was already kind of friendly, but I think it helped me kind of fit in and feel like I had found home because it was the same thing the cab drivers, anybody, (laughs) anybody on the street, you get in the car and you're talking to them the whole way back to your apartment, you know, and it made you, it makes you feel safe. It makes you feel so at home. And that's, that's just how I felt. So at home. Oh yeah. I mean, I feel like I have made like actual friends in elevators in New Orleans where we're like sharing phone numbers, you know, grandma's recipes. (laughs) I mean, it's a totally different vibe. And so, yeah, I love it. Well, that's and it's not awesome. small talk. It's not the weather. It's like oh. you said, it's cutting to the heart of it. Like, oh, yeah, we had this great gumbo at my grandma's. Let me tell you about it, you know? <laughs> well, it's so interesting to me. I never knew people talked about the weather until I moved to the Minneapolis area. And I was like, what are you people talking about? Either it's negative 50 or it's 110. Like, this is just, but I mean, they talk about the weather an awful lot. And here in Seattle, I mean, obviously there's all this rain talk and I'm like, guys, we, we experience, why do we want to talk about it too? <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's so different than in New Orleans. There is no weather talk. I mean, except if it's involving a food thing. I mean, obviously everything, you know, like if a storm is coming, do you have enough food? Have you gotten your shrimp out of the freezer? So you're not mm-hmm. going to ruin it. You know, like all <laughs> food related discussions. And so it's a totally 
different environment. Well, tell us, I want our listeners to know, how do you feel like you becoming a mom has impacted what it looked like for you being an attorney? So the biggest thing is time management. And it's probably obvious, but I think everybody can relate. I mean, I have to be present where I am. I can't, you know, before I had kids, I could stay late if I needed to. I could stay till seven o'clock and go grab some dinner and come back or, you know, different things like that. I can't do that. I, or I choose not to, I guess. Um, For me, I want to be home with my kids when I can put them to bed, you know, as much as I can. There have been times where I've had to stay at the office. Um, One time in particular, we had a brief due, an appellate brief in an administrative case. And we were at the office. I think my first daughter was maybe eight or nine months. And so I, I breastfeed her or I, I breastfed both of my kids. And so we're at the office. It's two in the morning. We're I'm running papers back and forth to different places in the office. We're scanning stuff. I'm finding things in the evidence. I'm put, we're putting it in the brief. Boom, 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 going as fast as we can. And somebody looked at me and they said, You're, I was leaking. I was, I had this gray dress on and I was leaking clear through it, you know? And so I'm like, oh my gosh. So I had to pump, I had to get my pump and, you know, take a minute and pump. And people are calling me like, where is this? And I'm like, it's on page five, you know, <laughs> just all this different stuff. <laughs> Crazy. And then I got home in time for her second feeding of the night. So I was home, but she got up about three and I was able to get her and be there for that second feeding and then put her back to sleep and then get back to a normal schedule. So it's just, you really have to plan. You have to plan your days, know what you're doing and plan way ahead. You know, you can't, I, you know, it's very hard to have these last minute deadlines. I have to manage things so that I could do it. You know, I was working yesterday during naps, you know, plan things. So you have enough time because I, it just breaks my heart not to be home for dinner and, you know, start, I call it, you know, I think a lot of people call it their second job. You know, I, we have a little clock on our, on our garage door opener. And so it has a little digital and I press the button and I'm always like, okay, I'm clocking in for job two. You know? <laughs> That's I awesome. come in and <laughs> feed the baby, start with there, you know, then I maybe go get to change my clothes. Then I play a little bit. Then we have dinner. Then I clean that up. You know, I mean, it's just, it's, it's busy and then bedtime. And so all these, and then go to sleep and then get up and go to your actual job. And <laughs> It's amazing. I mean, when you really step back, and I know you probably don't get to step back much and look at it from a 10,000 foot view. I mean, now that my children are older and all very independent, I really can step back and look at it. And I don't know some days how in the world I pulled it off. You know, it's, it is mind boggling. And when you listen to your story, like of there you are doing your brief leaking. I mean, I can so relate to that. I mean, that was me clerking in federal court, bringing my pump. I mean, that's where I was when I had my first child. And I mean, the judge I worked for would be like, are we actually pumping again? I was like, yeah, this is kind of a continuous thing. Like I can't turn it on and off. And it's just something I got to do. You know, that's how we feed the baby. And and it was kind of interesting, just the reality of all that and trying to do everything you have to do. And 
I mean, I actually went and sought mental health help at one point in my early career with young children. I mean, at the time I had my mom had had a stroke. Her father had had a stroke all within six months of each other and both within six months of me having my first child. So there I am caring for two generations ahead of me because my mom was an only child. So I became the caretaker for my grandmother, my grandfather and my mother all within six months of having my first child, all while practicing law, you know, being a clerk in federal court to tell you, I literally went to the psychiatrist and I was like, I think something's the matter with me. I said, I'm super stressed. And she was like, actually, no, I think you're dead on. I'd be super stressed too. She's she's like, if you were super stressed, I would be worried. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. That would be the problem if you weren't. Right. Exactly. Wow. She kind of sent me on my way and she was like, you know, you're really fine. And I thought, okay, I guess I'll just keep trudging along. And I feel like I've been trudging like that. (laughs) I mean, until about now, you know, now that my kids are older and it's so different. I mean, now I'm like, wow, okay. I only have one at home and he can takes care of himself. I mean, it's pretty wild. You get so much time back. And I know right now you can't even imagine getting time back. No, no. I joked with one of my good friends. She said, oh, she said, wouldn't it be nice to go like have a weekend alone in a hotel somewhere? (laughs) I said, that's my only fantasy really is just this time alone. But then you do, you know, when I've had to travel for work and things, then I miss the kids. So it's, it's absolutely. It's a double, it's a real double-edged sword. And I think so many of us struggle with that. When we're at work, we miss our kids. And when we're at home, you know, for too long, we kind of miss that intellectual stimulation or the adult, you know, contact. And obviously everyone has different feelings about all that. But I mean, I think it is, I, I think it's the struggle of the century. I mean, I think that women going back, you know, full force, like we are in the workforce trying to do it all. I mean, I think it's been, I think the pandemic has brought out a lot of the still the inequities, you know, how so many women have now pulled back out of the workforce. I mean, the stats are staggering on the numbers of women who have pulled out of the workforce in the pandemic due to a real lack of support, either from their work or at home or both, you know, and not being able to pull it off. I mean, how does that look for you? It sounds like your husband is fairly supportive of your career and the juggle that you all do. Yes, yes, he is. Um, we are lucky, very lucky. We have um, well, really three sets of grandparents here at, at home and in our hometown. And so we have grandparents watching the kids three days a week, and then we have a nanny the other two days. So. Oh. Nice. It is not, does not escape me how lucky I am to have that because they help, you know, and when I had a brief do over Thanksgiving, you know, they, they helped and they um, took care of the kids more on weekends. And so I'm very lucky to have that. And I think that's the biggest thing. You have to have help. You have to have support. And a lot of people move across country or they, they live places where they don't have family. I think there's a unique part with family where you kind of feel like you can ask them more than maybe friends or people that you've just met. And so, and you know that, you know, they love your kids and, and want the same for your kids as you do. And so, you you know, you've got that innate relationship there. But so I'm lucky with that. 
I worked from home during the start of the pandemic because I was pregnant. Right. So it was very inadvisable for me to go anywhere. I had about six weeks to go and, you know, before I had the baby and they said, you know, you can't get sick with COVID because, you know, if your husband gets sick, he won't be able to come in with you. You might not be able to breastfeed. So, and this was all really early. I think a lot of that has shaken out now with some of the guidelines as far as that's concerned. But um, so I worked from home. And of course we had the one child, my husband was at home. So we were able to, we were able to make it work. And now I can come to the office, I can go to court. Things are fairly open. Um, we have our offices closed for the most part to outside. We try to do as much as we can virtually, except if people have to sign documents. So so I, I'm lucky now because I get to come to the office and have my, my kind of quote unquote alone time or at least <laughs> time away from the kids, but then I get to go home at the end of the night and, and have time. So that's, that's pretty much how it looks. And if, if I need to work from home, I can, but I'm so much more productive at the office and it's just easier for me to come in, knock out my to-do list as much as, as much as I can, not that I can do all of it, but you know, do as much as I can and then go home and be present. Right. Yeah. Well, when you talk about delegating and using grandparents, I mean that we did not have grandparents around. I mean, you know, my they all kind of passed away once I started getting kid number two and three. And, and so one thing we did, and I don't know if people do this a lot, but we shared babysitting with a couple that we were friends with. So every Saturday we would switch. So one Saturday I would watch all the kids and, you know, with my husband. And then the next Saturday they would watch all the kids. So we could go on like a date night every other Saturday. And so it That's worked. A great out. idea. Yeah, we did it for like, I mean, multiple years. I mean, it was it. I thought it worked wonderfully. And I thought it was really a great system. And the kids had a ball, you know, they oh, yeah. all love spending the time together. And so and we'd switch off whose house we were at, you know, like if I was watching, we'd be in my house or they'd be. So the kids thought that was fun going over to somebody else's house mm-hmm. and, you know, and we'd fix dinner for whatever the kids were there. And it was it was a really it was a big benefit, I think, because I do think getting that alone time, I mean, either personally, just, you know, one with yourself versus having some time with your spouse, I mean, really is important. And I think that becomes, I mean, and I can't imagine in the pandemic, like that's been really taken away from so many people, I think, you know, being able to get that kind of downtime. Yeah. Because like we say, where would you go? I mean, we, you can't go out to dinner, you know, you, you could go to a hotel, but do you want to take the risk? And, you know, so where would you go? And, and, you know, also with breastfeeding the little one, it's hard, but you know, you know, those things will be temporary. And it is, I mean, I think that's a great idea to do that every other and have, you know, you have to have kind of agreements with people and, and people you trust so that you can relax and, and know what you're doing instead of. That makes all the difference. I mean, to actually fully trust who you're leaving your children with. I mean, we did a thing as well when the second child was born. So he was probably like three months old. We started hiring our nanny's good friend. We used a nanny for childcare all the time, but she had a really good friend that, you know, we knew. And so she would come over on Saturday mornings so we could take the older one out to do something one-on-one, you know, because I felt Mm -hmm. like 
she just immediately got her one-on-one time taken away so abruptly. So Mm -hmm. we tried that and literally it was the biggest fail because my oldest was a daughter and the second one was a boy. And she literally was like, I'm not leaving my baby. And she was like, if we're going somewhere, my baby Ian is coming. And so, I mean, we would try and try. And I mean, after a few weeks, we just kind of gave up because she just didn't want to go. She's like, why would I go to the zoo without my baby? And it's like, (laughs) okay, so much for your one-on-one time. Now, obviously when she got to about 10, she had a whole different approach on that. Yeah. Well, Elizabeth has no problem with one-on-one time. She is ready to go. She <laughs> The days that she can have just uh, for a while we were switching because Elizabeth was easier for my husband and then the baby was easier for my mother-in-law, so they would switch back and forth or my mom. Right. And so um so Elizabeth wouldn't even ask. She didn't care, you know. She just was great. Okay, here I go. I get to do whatever I want today. We'll have fun. So, but it is. I The one-on-one, you know, I've been working so much since I've been back from maternity leave that it, I haven't had as much of that. And I really want to work a schedule like that in where she knows that she's got just me instead of me and the baby because she thrives. I mean, I think they thrive with it. And Absolutely. Um, it's really important. Yeah, I think it, I do too. I think it's really important. And I mean, I did a, a crazy schedule when she was, I guess, about two and a half. We started doing a thing where I would go to work at four in the morning so that I could get off by three. And so I would be done at three in the afternoon and I could go pick her up. She went to this little like private school, nursery school when she was itty bitty. So I'd pick her up at three and then she and I would go do something every afternoon, like whatever. I mean, silly things, you know, we might just go get an ice cream scoop or, you know, go look at some shop or I don't know, whatever. We did something just for an hour or so every day. And I found that was really, really helpful to her. So then when she came home from school and then was back with her siblings, you know, at the time she just had the one little brother, but it was, I felt like it grounded her more because, you know, she had had some time and then I didn't feel so bad, you know, at the end of the day, cause it's so hard to like, really feel like you are seeing the children. I mean, there are some days, right. you know, you could work from seven to seven and it's like, I missed them both waking up and going to sleep. Going and coming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I always say, you know, people, we just went through, you know, what do you want for Christmas? What do you, you know, my birthday's in December. What do you want for your birthday? And and a lot of times I just, my goal is to look my kids in the eye. That totally. Like just, and that's, I mean, so important because they, first of all, they need the eye contact. But second of all, you're looking at the dishes, you're looking at your computer, you're looking at your phone. And it's like, I, you know, you have to remind yourself to stop. I mean, you're caring for them. I mean, don't get me wrong. All that okay. stuff is caring for them, changing their diapers, doing all the things, but There's also that slow down to just say, look at them and say, how are you doing, you know, and how was your day? And it's hard. It's it's easy for that to get lost. And um, so that's one of my big goals every day is just look your kids in the eye, you know. The Guild is an insanely productive community of lawyer entrepreneurs with a growth mindset who share their collective genius and hold each other accountable to take their careers and businesses to the next level. But in 2021, we are upping the game. In addition to exclusive access to the group, FaceTime with the two of us, discounted pricing for live events, and front seat exposure to live recording and podcasts and video, we are mapping out for members 
the exact growth playbook with our new program, Maximum Lawyer in Minimum Time. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships and experience content specifically designed to complement your plan for growth. For a limited time only, the Maximum Lawyer in Minimum Time program will be offered for free to all new Guild members. Join us by going to maxlawguild.com. Well, you know, that's interesting. When we evacuated with Hurricane Katrina, you know, that was a really rough time. I mean, my husband at the time, he was an attorney. We evacuated to Georgia. Obviously, we had no income like we couldn't he couldn't practice law in Georgia. We were both only licensed in Louisiana. I was staying at home with my kids at the time of the hurricane, though. So that first Christmas, I mean, it was a real struggle financially. I mean, a real struggle. And so I came up with this idea of, I mean, I, I wasn't going to be able to buy anybody presents, like actual tangible things. So we came up with these little gifts of experiences. And so we created an entire year of experiences. And at that point, we had four kids. And so we created an entire year of experiences one-on-one -on -one with each child, with each parent. So, I mean, it was pretty intense as far as like, you know, all the different things we were going to do, but it allowed the children to then have this little basket of 12 months of things and they would turn in the thing they wanted on the first of the month to each my, of my husband and I, and we would then figure out, okay, what, well, how are we going to make that work schedule wise, you know, and then we, and it was literally the best gift ever. And I mean, to date, and my children now are, you know, like 25, 23, they still will tell you that was their favorite Christmas of all times was our experience wow. Christmas. Well, and I'm sure for you, you felt like you were in some ways on the failing. back foot or failing. Yeah. yeah, because I can't do this. I can't get them the toys. And then that ends up being the most important thing. So I think it's important to remember that is that sometimes when you think you're failing, you're not, you're way ahead of the curve. You're succeeding. Oh, it's so, it's so true. And I hope you get to experience that because a lot of times I find, especially in middle and high school, you don't get a lot of that feedback. You know what I mean? Like right. you'll get that typical kid feedback which isn't always positive or supportive you know like, <laughs> yeah, sure. sometimes it can be negative and mm -hmm. obnoxious and even downright rude and mean and so when they get older I mean it's been I actually just had a conversation with my husband now my children are saying things to me lately and I'm like who are you and where is this coming from you know, but I think a lot of things really do get internalized and they are watching so much closer than we realize. And so I think when you talk about, you know, being present there for your children every day and just looking them in the eyes, it might sound so trite to somebody, but it is critical that you think about that and prioritize that because your children, I mean, they do know. Yeah, they, they pick up on it. They do. They pick up on it. And and it shouldn't necessarily add pressure. Sometimes you can't, you know, sometimes yeah. you can't or I have to do this email or I have to do this. And so, you know, I just what it used to buy it bother. I mean, it still does. Of course, I, I still struggle with, you know, <laughs> wanting to do that. I say it used to, but um, it still does. But I say I'm a recovering perfectionist. You know, I'm <laughs> trying not to be a perfectionist as much as I can, but it's still there. But when I had my first child, um, I was just, you put so much pressure on yourself at home, at work, with your friends, everywhere. 
And so I just realized like all I can do every day is my best. Yep. And sometimes your best is you go to work and you write an appellate brief and then you make a steak dinner that night and you are just on. And But you can't do that every day. I used to try and you just can't. Right. Some days it's you cut, return a couple emails and you get people McDonald's, you know, for dinner. It's, <laughs> you, but you got to give yourself the grace of it and say, I today I did my best. And at the end of the day or at the end of, you know, when your kids are older, you can say, I did my best. I tried my best every day. And sometimes that was great and sometimes it wasn't so great. But if you did your best, that you then you just go to sleep and be okay with it, be satisfied. Well, and I think, I mean, gosh, I think that is such good advice. I mean, to really try to not be a perfectionist and because all you do is just knock yourself down more. You know, it's this, it is such a vicious cycle. And interestingly, I mean, I I mean, we have dealt with so much chaos, just the numbers of what we have, you know, the numbers of children, yes. numbers of pets. I mean, just beyond chaotic at times. And one of my kids made a comment recently saying they were like, you know, one of the biggest things is being apart from home is I don't have you being all joyous when all hell breaks loose. <laughs> they were like, you brought so much joy into our just random chaos. And I was like, well, now that's an interesting, like backhanded kind of compliment. <laughs> but I thought, you know, I mean, if you can find joy, even in the bad, I think kudos to you and your children, because I mean, how else do we teach resilience? you know, mm -hmm. and teach them how to handle problems and how to, you know, problem solve just in regular day-to-day -day life. And I think if we are finding ourselves outwardly looking frustrated or angry or upset, it just, I think it really sends the wrong message. And so, I mean, I definitely had, I mean, now, no doubt, I probably threw down a few foul language because I would always say you just can't make this shit up and the, so the kids would laugh and they would be like that's true mom <laughs> you know but I found that it really helped us you know be able to handle just crazy crazy things you know if we could just kind of laugh at them and you know and realize that this too shall pass and we will mm -hmm. figure it out I mean we have some pretty hilarious memories of you know, doing some crazy things with me and these little stair-step kids places. And they were like, do you remember when Eric's diaper exploded? I'm like, oh, yes, I remember. <laughs> yeah, those are the memories. You don't remember every night of the perfect meal and, no. <laughs> you know, these things. You remember when things go wrong and you remember how you reacted to it. And so that's that's the be that's where the memories and, and really the love shines through. I think. Absolutely. So forget <laughs> the steak dinners. Those we don't remember any of those. <laughs> but that's we kind of a general. We had dinner. Yeah. OK. But then the diaper exploded that one day. And that was really where it all came down. So my kids all remember all the dinners I burned, though, for sure. You oh, know, yeah. they would be like, Mom, what was it with you and burning things? And I'm like, <laughs> I was like, imagine trying to cook and have each of you come in with mom. I need this mom, mom, mom. I mean, it was mm -hmm. like, you know, I was a squirrel and I would just be like, you know, running off to do this. And then I, I'd be like, oh, oops, I forgot. I just put in garlic bread. Well, now it's, you know, like garlic brisket, you know, like <laughs> well, I'm cooking for six, you know, and it's oh. just a lot. Yeah. Yes. Well, that's been fun now learning to cook for less. 
because mm-hmm. now with just this one at home, I mean, this holiday, we had only two children here because of COVID. And so, I mean, I was only cooking for four people. Well, I thought I had really toned it down. And when my family, they were like around and, you know, some helping, they were like, mom, who are we cooking for? And I was like, just the four of us. And they were like, you have enough food here for 12 people. And I was like, oh, I thought I was doing so much better. (laughs) Old habits die hard, you know. They sure do. They sure do. I think teaching though delegation and getting more help around because things like dinner, I love the new dinner meal kits. Have you tried any of those? Yes. Yes. So I was a big, I love to cook. And I, yeah, when I, when I started um, dating my husband, I would cook, you know, big dinner and we would do, you know, do all these things. And then when I had my first baby, it was beyond (laughs) completely. Like I couldn't, I couldn't imagine picking up a spatula I couldn't because I couldn't imagine doing all of the things, the steps it takes to get there, and then and then cleaning. That was the thing. I was like, even if I could cook, I can't clean, you know. And I, I'm just, it's, I'm not going to do it. It was too overwhelming. So that's what got me back actually into cooking. Is and it was a year. It was a good year before I cooked anything. And we would just order out, or we would do something in cans. I mean, you know, um, whatever it was, but. At meal kits got me cooking again because oh. here you'd already done the shopping. The shopping was done. You had step-by-step instructions. You only, it was 15 minutes, you know, you had 15 minutes to prep. So it got me back into, oh yeah, I do like this and this isn't so hard. That's so yeah, awesome. they kind of brought me back and, and with the new baby, I've, I've been cooking a lot more. So. Do you have any favorite meal kits that you found you liked more than others? I only tried one and it was gobble. Mm-hmm. And it was just, we were listening to another podcast and, and, uh, they, we, they had a 15% off code and, and oh. my husband, you know, I said, well, why don't we try it and just see if that's going to work. And so we tried it and we loved it. I mean, awesome. it was great. Although my husband, so I was more comfortable with keeping with what I knew, you know, have him send us a steak and mashed potatoes and, you know, that kind of right. stuff. And he's like, you can do, you already can do that. Why don't you have them send us like Bimmy Bap and, you know, sushi <laughs> and all this different stuff. And I'm like, well, cause I don't know how to do that. And he's like, well, it's okay. You follow the instructions. So we had a little bit of a, a difference of opinion. Cause I'm like, I just want him to send me some pasta that I can throw in. <laughs> so, but yeah. we, we loved it. I think those have been really, I mean, they kind of revolutionized our ability to provide an at-home meal when we had kids all like, you know, four kids in high school or whatever, dealing with football practice and, you know, all the different things. And I would come home and I'd be like, I don't even know when any of you are going to be here to eat. So (laughs) like, it was just, I found the meal kit made it easy. I could kind of put it together and then they could come and go as they pleased. Yes, it was there and they could just eat it when they wanted to. Absolutely. Yeah. And that makes such a difference, I find, because dealing with everyone's schedule is just such a process. Yeah. For me right now, it's feeding the toddler. You know, what's she going to eat oh, yeah. um, that the rest of us will eat so I don't have to make 25 different meals, you know? So <laughs> one night, I think I made three different meals and I just was like, I'm not doing this again. And somebody told me, I got some advice. I think, I don't know if it was from the doctor or from the parenting blog, who knows, but they said, just feed them the one meal. If they're hungry, they'll eat it. 
you know, don't make all these different meals for the kid because I'd make one for Rob and I, and then I'd make another one and she wouldn't like that. So I'd make another one. And they were like, if she's hungry, she'll eat it. Totally. If she's not, she won't. It doesn't matter what you put in front of her. So. Yeah. I mean, I actually had a sign that said, this girl is no short order cook. And literally <laughs> like there was no, I mean, I made one meal always mm-hmm. one meal and clearly many times there were people that were protesting and they also knew though don't i, I don't want to hear their protest because i'm yeah. like figure it out there's a pantry there's a fridge you figure it out mm-hmm. go make yourself something and i mean i had little bitty kids slapping together some weird things on sandwiches because <laughs> that and i was like whatever if you want you know peanut butter and ham that sounds lovely <laughs> I yeah great <laughs> Great protein, good source of protein, some carbs, good for you. Have fun. Clean it up when you're done. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, because it just gets, I found after a while, it was like this, it was really kind of hurting my ego, I think. To, I, you'd make food and then you'd have, I mean, I'd have several people with their nose up, like, this is kind of gross, or I don't want to eat this, or I could do this better. And I'd be like, well, feel free. <laughs> Dinner <laughs> is on you, my friend. Yeah, the three-year-old says, yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> like, okay, well, <laughs> thanks a lot. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Go cry in the bathroom. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, just... we got a little basket and I would put like things in it that were really easy that they could deal with. And I was always like, you can go to your basket and make whatever you want to make. And but mm-hmm. I'm not participating in multiple meals. I mean, it right. just gets too much, I think. Mm-hmm. And same with lunches. I mean, you haven't gotten to that lunch stage yet where you have to make a lunch but I mean, the, you would send them with a lunch and then they would come home and all the food would still be in there. And I was like, what did you eat? They're like, well, I didn't really like this or this was the wrong chips to go with this kind of sandwich. I was like, oh, peace out, guys. Like you are doing so that. doing your lunches. And so they had a, their little shelves and they had baskets they could choose. They had to choose like, you know, one fruit, one, you know, all the different mm-hmm. things. And I was like, great, make your lunch. And so... I didn't make lunches for, for very long because I was not really resilient about the negativity. <laughs> about oh my gosh. You have so much fun to look forward to. I can't wait to check in with you once your kids are a little older to see <laughs> how it's going. I mean, because you are at the real beginning stages of this journey of mothering, being a lawyer, doing everything you're doing. And then now if your husband goes into law as well i can only imagine the two of you (laughs) yeah it's gonna get crazy it is crazy now it'll get crazy and like you said i always think about one day and that's i think you know learning to enjoy it because one day i'll look up and i'll have the quiet and i'll have the peace and i'll have the time but then i'll miss you know i'll miss what i have right now so it's exhausting and it's it's overwhelming at times and you just have to do one thing at a time and as best you can. And if you can't do it, just don't do it. <laughs> just exactly. say you can't do it. Cause there's so many things you do in a day. And I think that's a trap I've fallen into a lot is thinking about all the things I don't do, all the things I don't get done. And that's just a sure way to depression. You know, it's a sure way Absolutely. to just feel, feel like you're not doing it. But if you turn it around and say, what did I do today? 
exactly that you know you're gonna you're not even you you get through like two or three things and you're like wow okay i did a lot well let's move on because you don't have time to think about all the things you actually do because you do a lot a lot i mean half the time just taking a shower was like a big win i'm like yeah it out i'm so clean today <laughs> no i don't smell bad like well you know if i come to work and sometimes i've got stuff on my clothes and i'm just like if that's the worst thing that's happened today then uh, that's fine you just have to let a lot of stuff go absolutely definitely well it has been so nice talking to you i can't wait to watch as you develop and as you continue on this journey because i think it's an amazing journey we women embark upon you know as attorneys and as moms and i think we don't give ourselves enough credit for what we're doing and i really want moms to hear and i think your advice about not being a perfectionist and really trying to embrace some days you're just i mean badass doing it all and other days it might not look like that but that doesn't mean you're not doing a great job and throw some joy in there and you're golden you know your kids will remember some amazing mcdonald meals with mom as happy as can be well, and yeah, Elizabeth laughed for it, you know, she'll say, oh, can we have a picnic? Oh, I want the happy meal. I want this, you know, sometimes that's easier. So, okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, very much good luck today in your shelter care hearing. And thanks for joining me. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. And good luck to you. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Mom Podcast, a production of Maximum Lawyer Media. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. See you next time.